0: Daddy Squared, the Gay Dad Podcast
1: with Alex Megan and Jan Megan.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of Daddy Squared, the Gay Dad Podcast. I'm Jan. I'm Alex. (laughs) Alex, what's wrong?
0: Well, I just spent the whole morning with my children trying to get their passports renewed when they're children, you have to bring them in person. And uh, look, I mean, bureaucracy is always frustrating, but you just sort of feel like my entire life is now going to be contributed to moving pieces of paper around and going from office to office. And I want to lose, I want to blow my brains out. It was so obnoxious. And I don't know. What can I tell you? Tell me you? more. Look you wanna tell me oh, more? I do. I do want to tell, okay, every- tell I do me, wanna tell, tell, me. tell everybody one thing. Okay. If you are looking to do certain types of government type document there are all of these companies out there. That Alex fell for. You will find, thank you. Thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> you have a very nice haircut today, by the thank way. Thank you. Um, and I found one online, and they were going to help me. In fact, not only help me, but they do it for you, you see. Because you go there, and instead of waiting in the lines and, you know, what feels like the Department of Motor Vehicles and all of that kind of stuff, no. All you have to do is go to them. It costs some money, but it's worth it. Is it worth it though is it worth it no because you go and you spend all this time there and they basically fill out paperwork that you already filled out yourself or you could have filled out yourself very easily and then they give it back to you they take your money and they send you to the same damn office you were going to have to go to anyway
2: okay calm down calm down let's just see what what did we learn from this experience Yelp, we learned yelp
0: we learned yeah. one thing, and I mean it. Oh, my God, do I mean it. Before you take advantage of any of these services, go and check online. I don't know
2: why. I, I don't know what do the is
0: there is there. But um, I don't know either, but there will be when I'm done. I know. Because God knows people need to know that this is a scam. At, at the very least, it's a total waste of your money, and it's probably just cleanly a scam.
2: Anyway. Daddy Squared. <laughs>
0: Listen, uh, listen, I'm going to cheer up. I'm going to cheer up. You know why? Because the interview we're going to be hearing today is a great interview.
2: I know. So Daddy Squared, uh, this is Alex and Jan, Daddy Squared around the world. Each episode we visit a different country, and today we're going to Germany. Germany. Before that, I just want to give people background, because maybe they only hear this episode or just recently joined us. So Alex and I are married. We're together for 13 years. Yes. And we have two kids, twins, twins. We had them through surrogacy. Yes. And we're here to talk about everything that is being gay dads. It's not only being parents, it's also the relationship, our couples therapy, yes. which was very good last night, by yeah. the way, Alex.
0: It was. It was. It was actually a really good one. And by the way, it ties to another episode that we did
2: early on, I believe, in the first season. About couples therapy? Uh,
0: no, about religion and people. Oh, yeah, in,
2: the second season. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We talk about, yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about it?
0: No, no, I'm just saying. Oh, I thought okay, we'll leave it to, to okay. another
2: day. Well, I actually think it's really
0: good that you just did a little kind of rundown on this thing, because we do. Since we're used to doing this show all the time, we forget that maybe some people are popping in, you know, in the middle.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like from Germany. And our guest today is Kevin Silvergater. He's a stage actor and a blogger. His blog, papapi.de, gives an insight into his family life with his husband and two foster children. We're going to hear a lot about this. It is one of the top parenting blog. He won an award for it, and uh, he has so many people like going in and commenting and stuff like that. Uh, Together with his husband, René, he just co-wrote this new children book called A Home for Ludwig. Don't ask me how to say it in German. Oh. But yeah. while researching I realized that there are words in German more than fifty characters.
0: Oh no, we're gonna talk about this after the interview because okay. it's one of the things that I love about the German language is that you can make a new word by just ramming together seventy five other words and now it's a word. Oh it's great. It's oh totally wild. Yeah.
2: Facts about Germany. Do you want to call your mother to say this because no. she's uh, she's like uh, obsessed?
0: The the my mother's background on this wouldn't go well. Okay, go ahead. Uh,
2: it was founded in 1871. Really? Wait. What? I'm
0: trying to think of as a what? I guess as a republic. All right, go on. I mean, I love this. this if you
2: yeah, if you Google it, it would yeah. say 1990 because unite, unite, Europe. Oh right, right. Yeah. yeah all right, go on. Our Population is uh, 84 million. Oh. Uh, currency is euro. Mm-hmm. And the national food is?
0: I'll do that for you. That's sauerbraten. All
2: right. This is uh, slowly Basically, f- it's a slowly It's brisket.
0: Me. Yeah. I mean, everything... Er, all German foods are either chocolate or like stuffing some meat into like an intestine or something. They're Ew, gross. In the, you know, they're into that.
2: Kind um, of it's slowly cooked <laughs> meat for hours. It's usually served with potatoes, a bowl potatoes, Boiled potatoes, I said that. Uh, and red cabbage and sauce. Okay. Uh, Germany won Eurovision twice. We're going to go back to that fact. Shocking uh, that we're going to go time. back to Eurovision. <laughs> it's Eurovision week. Right. Um, in 1982 and 2010. And three things you didn't know came from Germany. Oh, bring them. All right. The first one is buttons. Really? Yeah, well, buttons with holes. You know, the holes. you got
0: the zipper thing wrong. I, I'm going to question the buttons, but okay, well, fine.
2: I, did you check?
0: I did. Really?
2: yeah all right um in the 30th century
0: the 30th century they did it in the future
2: 13th <laughs> <laughs> the buttons from the future <laughs> in the 13th century <laughs> okay okay the second thing that was invented in um, Germany is Fanta Fanta orange ah. okay so now the story yeah so during World War two when everybody hated Germany mm. for good reason <laughs> One Um, could
0: say. They decided to clean their image up by releasing a disgusting
2: orange No, so they they didn't have uh, Coca-Cola. It was Uh, uh, not available to uh, them. So it was invented as a substitute for Coke. I see. And um, it caught on.
0: Yeah, I mean, not with me. I love the ads because they're super, super hokey. But um, yeah, orange and grape soda makes me a little wretch. But okay, hey, Uh, listen.
2: The third thing... uh, Also came from Germany is motorboating. Now, now um,
0: you don't mean the kind that you do on the bay. You mean the kind that you do between the boobs?
2: I'm talking about the first one, about the bay. Oh, that's boring.
0: (laughs) <laughs> Wait, no, but uh, what do you mean? So they had like...
2: Uh, they invented motorboats. Oh, really? Yeah, in 1886. Can I tell you
0: something? From the, the German people I know, I think there's a decent chance they invaded, invented both
2: kinds of motorboats. <laughs> I just do.
0: And hey, you know, listen, live and let live. I think that's great. That is great.
2: I think we're ready. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think, yes, I think we are.
2: Okay, Alex, are you ready to motorboat? We're going um, motorboat to Germany.
0: We're going to Germany!
2: Hey! Hey, Kevin. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's so exciting to uh, talk about Germany and you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being uh, here, yeah.
2: I think it's kind of known that Germany is very open to gay relationships and gay people in general. Can you just describe what it's like right now in 2021, being gay in Germany?
1: Actually, I don't completely agree because... Oh, Oh, good. We like that. (laughs) (laughs) Because until 2017, it wasn't even legal to have a a marriage in Germany. It was only called a... Don't ask me how I could translate that. It's, It's something like an written down partnership by law. But I but
0: guess. you need to say it in German for us because we're trying to get a flavor of internationalness
1: here. Okay. <laughs> eine eingetragene Lebenspartnerschaft. Which was really... <laughs> yeah. And, and, and marriage is just Ehe. Which is kind of oh, nice yeah. and it's wow. short. But eine eingetragene Lebenspartnerschaft. It's very German and it sounds very harsh. And um, with us gay men or gay, les- lesbian women not being able to marry we were not able to adopt kids as a couple we only were ad- uh, allowed to adopt as a single person ah. so if if my husband and i we had the eingetragene Lebenspartnerschaft, uh, which was not a complete marriage so we didn't get the chance to adopt as a couple i would have had to try to adopt as a single person or my husband. But in our case, neither of us was a perfect match for adoption. My husband was too old and I was too young and Uh. I didn't have a house. I was just finished with acting school, so I didn't really have money. So we both were not really, yeah, a match for adoption. So we still have that in quite a few areas in, in German law. For example, blood donation is not allowed for gay men by men or trans men because the risk of our behavior is uh, too high to be infected with hiv right which is of course absolutely ridiculous and so they they did come up i think also five years ago or something with a with a, a law that gay men can donate blood if they don't have sex for 12 months
0: Oh, so they have to be married.
1: <laughs> I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. So, um, yeah, of course, in general, it's good to live in Germany as a gay man, because we do have lots of rights. Um, it's a, there's lots of discussions about acceptance and tolerance. But, but still, there's quite a few parts where I'm like, uh, we live in Germany, and it's 2021, and still... Are you kidding me? I still have to deal with that as a gay man? So yeah, there's still sometimes parts where I'm surprised how um, Germany is still not that tolerant as people, obviously, as you guys, uh, think we are. Right. Well, you know, it's funny. I think that there are quite a
0: number of, um, you know, very modern westernized countries, America included, where the general law seems to apply to homosexuals, and by the mm-hmm. way, to women, and to people of all religions and races, mm. etc. But if it's not expressly called out, it can exactly. result in discrimination in ways that is surprising to people who think, "No, no, no, our country is very open and and embracing." So I understand exactly. what you're what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Now, specifically, when it comes to the laws associated with. Um, uh, bringing children into your life, whether through mm. adoption or uh, surrogacy or whatever, uh, how has that stuff changed uh, recently?
1: Well since uh, since two thousand seventeen the marriage year is also allowed for gay and lesbians, gay men and lesbians. So we could today adopt, but surrogacy is not allowed in Germany. That's why, Gay men who can afford that do go to America, and you mean um, you you mean for gays or
0: straights, just in general? surrogacy? in general,
1: yeah, in general. But I mean, of course, um, heterosexual people have more options. For example, there's a like um, an
2: IVF treatment. You mean they can get medication? That's yeah, exactly.
1: Ah, So that heterosexual people can do as a couple or. Of course, lesbian women can do that because they can just go to a friend or a good friend and take the sperms and just do that. But to take a a third woman like in surrogacy in America, that's prohibited in Germany.
2: So the uh, donation of sperm or egg itself is not a problem. The problem is the surrogacy, the, uh, the surrogate. Exactly. So let's say how how long after gay marriage was allowed in Germany did you and your husband got married and and, and adopt your kids?
1: Oh we did we didn't adopt. Our kids are foster children. Okay. Which which was allowed before the mm-hmm. legal marriage of gay men, which is sometimes a little bit I don't know wanna call this? yeah, I
2: don't want to call it, discri-
1: yeah, ma- to call it discrimination, but it's kinda of odd. It is that odd. You're saying it that- is, isn't it? We're not good enough for adoption, but for the, well, like, yeah, like the, the cases which are really troubling with foster kids, that we are good enough for. And
0: what's that, interesting is, is isn't fostering children generally, at least a potential path to adoption in certain cases.
1: Yes, it is. So yes. you
0: would we- you would foster, but you would have been blocked from taking that second step of adopting the kids.
1: Exactly oh, yeah, before yeah, two thousand yeah. seventeen. Yes, that step would have been blocked. Yeah.
2: Wow. So, so I so you're now even in in a situation that's much more. I mean, it's kind of n- not really secure with the kids, right? So it's not like you are. Certain to mm-hmm. continue being their parents, they can call you one day and say, Okay, the kids are having now a like a. They're returning or returning to their uh, birth parents if they're father. Fo-
1: theoretically, foster. theoretically, yes, that could happen. But in our case and in lots of other um, cases, we have this um, permanent foster parenthood, I guess you could call it. And in those cases, it's pretty like 99% sure that the kids. Can't go back because of what happened to the to the biological parents, or because of thir- certain things that have have happened. So in our case, we are, as I said, ninety nine percent. I mean, there's never a hundred percent in life, right? So yeah, of course, um, we have we are very 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 certain and um, have it actually written down by the court that our kids do stay with us. So it's basically it's it's just on paper. I mean, which is even also quite odd if you think about it, that adoption wasn't allowed. I mean, now it, it is now, um, but still we never took this step to make our eingetragene Lebenspartnerschaft into a marriage, which if we wanted to adopt our kids, we would have to do first. But if we would do that, then today we could actually adopt our kids yeah got it and how long have you guys have have the kids been with you our son has been with us since five and a half years and our daughter
2: three years oh wow how common is this for gay men to to go through this uh route of fostering versus adoption in germany to your opinion i I mean i I guess you don't know that
1: no no i i don't have exact figures But foster parenting is definitely the more common uh, path than adoption. I I guess part of it is because it's only been allowed legally since two years. I mean, I know that there's a few um, homosexual couples who were closer by age together than my husband and I. So I know one couple, they adopted six years ago, I think. Mm -hmm. And they both have been a better match for the for the authorities than we have so one one dad adopted and then three years ago when the law was changed the other husband could then afterwards adopt yeah um
2: so, so it's, you're is, saying it's e- is, it's just easier for people so they're doing yeah, it- yeah
1: so 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 um and the other thing is that there's not so many kids free for adoption Um, there's very few, I think that was a few years ago, but the, it was per one child, there was 10 heterosexual couples wanting to adopt that kid. And then there was on top, I think for 10 heterosexual couples, one gay couple. So it was very rare and the biological parents and the authority together can decide where they want to put the kids. And there were lots of people who then rather would take the heterosexual couple because it's less... There's less end. Um Exactly. <laughs> l- l- let me ask you quickly, how old are
0: your kids? Five. Our and son three. is nine.
1: Our daughter th- is three. What do they know?
0: What do you tell them about the nature of their relationship to you?
1: Um, we are completely honest with them. I mean, our son was three and a half years old when he came to us. And he knew his mother, so there was nothing really we we could hide from right. him, which we also never really thought fit um, because we, we read in, in books and, and talked with the authorities and there was always the common opinion that the earlier you tell your kids, the easier it is for them to cope with it. Right. So we always thought, okay, let, I mean, as I said, we never really had uh, any other options with our son. And so when our da- daughter came, she was eight months old. We, of course, we couldn't tell her because she was too young. But as soon as she was old enough, we just we just told I mean, we, we always had uh, monthly meetings with her uh, biological mother, which is in Germany part of the deal of being foster parents. They always want to keep... A relationship to the biological parents, usually it's the mother, which doesn't work with our son, but with our daughter it does work. So every month um, we meet uh, the mother of our daughter. So she kind of grew up with the fact that she's living with two dads, but she meets Mm -hmm. her mother once a month.
2: Let's say that a couple now in Germany, um, they they decide they want to have kids. The chances are very low, right? The, the, because if the you, challenge of getting
0: of getting adoptive kids is much higher uh, because it sounds like but there's e- a but even shortage. Even so, yeah. which, is, which in some ways is a good thing that there's a shortage because you don't. Want oh, to. of
1: course, of course.
0: And so, right now, uh, so what do they do? Yeah, what right? do they do? Do they, do they go the IVF route outside of Germany, or what is the most prevalent way that that gay uh, parents, uh, gay men, become parents right
1: now in Germany? That's a really good question. I don't think that there's a certain path that more people take. I think adoption is, is which people choose less because there's so little children, so so few children to be adopted. I think the most common path would be foster parenting because mm. the authorities... Do try to get gay men and and lesbians um to to uh, become foster parents. And I don't know how it is in America, but because of Corona, um, the the figures went up rapidly. So we have lots of uh, kids in. Um, foster homes in need for parents. So the authorities try a lot to, um, to to get people to choose this path. No, no, it doesn't matter if heterosexual or homosexual. Surrogacy in America is, at least coming from Germany, terribly expensive because you first have to go to London to find an agency. Um, and I know that at least before Corona, they did personal meetings, so you have to fly to London, you have to stay there at least two nights. Um, then you have to fly back, and then you have to fly to America to give your sperms and uh, meet the 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 circusy, uh, circuit surrogate circuit. Um, So it's it's terribly uh, complicated and expensive. So I'd say the common path would be foster parenting.
2: What was the biggest challenge, first of all, with the transition of the kids to to the house, to your household, mm-hmm. and to your opinion so far, what what was the fir- the most difficult year for you guys, uh, as, as as in like in kids age terms?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, the transition from from the foster home to our home wasn't really much of a challenge because. Both kids really, really were so open because they were so in need for, for family and for love that our relationship happened really quickly and we really got attached to each other very fast. Um, so that was, yeah, that was really magical and not, not a problem at all and yet
0: but, and yet if i can maybe not for them but
1: what about for you you went from suddenly course, yeah. suddenly you had a child yeah that was t- very difficult because not only had we children or first our son now but uh, my husband uh, being a flight attendant and me being an actor re- never really had a 9 to 5 Day schedule. So sometimes we would fly or my husband fly through the night and get home at 6 a.m. and then sleep through the day and then, oh. yeah, or, or <laughs> me as an actor playing theater, I would uh, stay in the theater till one in the morning and then come back home and then, yeah, so that was not, uh, that was of course not possible anymore, not in the, in that way we had it before. So we, um, our, our life turned upside down completely. To a very structured life that that kids do need, so that was still not really that difficult because I think the human being really really needs and prefers is is a routine and um, having structure in his her life. So it helped us a lot when the kids came into our lives.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think I think it did the same for us too. We we, well, we always had structure. we had structure,
2: but still, okay. <laughs> it, it, it's it's good for us to know where we're going and what we're supposed to be doing.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: And t- and in terms of uh, kids' ages, like wh- what was the most challenging so far?
1: Um, that's a good one. I think our daughter now, or let's say the last year, on one one part, of course, because of Corona, but the other one is because our Son came to us when he was three and a half and he was very, very quiet and he basically just went along and uh, everything we offered him, he loved and just took and everything was, yeah, very, very easy. And and we thought, well, now we have one, we know how to handle a (laughs) second one. And then our, yeah, uh, the biggest lie of parents, (laughs) um, and then our daughter came first of all a girl which is oh, much more difficult than we we which, which we later heard from other parents too than a boy and the age she was she was just a baby when she came to which was magical of course and it was great to experience this the day she turned 2 she became the terrible 2 mm-hmm. uh we all know about and yeah. uh, now she turned 3 and it's it's yeah i don't know the last year has just been the most Difficult time um, because we're just not used to it. Because our right, son was yeah. just easygoing and he just took everything we gave him and he loved it. And our daughter just goes no, no, and <laughs> cries as you heard uh, earlier. Yeah. So yeah. that's uh, the the last year has been. The difficult,
0: definitely. And, and she's not even 12 years old yet. Wait for 12 years it, old. I'm sure that's going to
2: be special. I, we don't know either. Our kids are also fine. That's true. <laughs>
1: I don't I don't want to even think about puberty.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, is there any uh, gay dad's representation on the media? Like how visible it is for people outside of the day, daily life?
1: I would have to say, I, I don't want to uh, uh, sound arrogant, I think. Our uh, Instagram blog is probably one of the most uh, visible things people get in touch with, because uh, there is no openly gay actors who have children. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have uh, a, a gay um, folk singer, Patrick Lindner, which, but he's not he's not really on media. He just he lives his
2: life right. of
1: the publicity, and so yeah, I guess I guess um, so. Right so, it's good,
2: it's good that you mention your blog because I, I yeah. figured that um, a lot of people must come to you because you are yeah. visible. Um, exactly. So, what type of reaction do you get from gay men?
1: Most reactions we get is uh, surprisingly from young gay men, mm-hmm. like 12, 13, 14 years old, writing to us that they never would have imagined family being possible for them or that they were afraid of going the step. And saying that they are homosexual because they were afraid that they would never have kids, and then they find our Instagram um, profile and they are surprised and they positively in shock. And then they they sometimes write us or or we hear it from a friend who writes us that uh, one one was really really touching. One one woman wrote us that her best friend came to her crying. Saying that uh, he's gay, but he's afraid to tell his parents and to admit it because then he'll never have kids. And then she told him, because she was already following us on Instagram, that there's these two gay men who have kids. And then she showed him her, our profile, and he started crying again, saying that he never would have imagined this possible. So that is, um, yeah, that is the most common reaction we do get. And and then sometimes there's um, gay men who ask about the path we chose, foster yeah. parenting. How does it work? What were the difficulties, especially being gay? Did we have lots of experience with discrimination? Um, yeah.
2: So basically everything that we talked about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, since you <laughs> wanted to have kids, how long did it take from the moment of the decision to actually having a kid from you know foster care?
1: One and a half years. I mean, of course, yeah. we, we did talk about it, Mm -hmm. And we actually didn't want to have kids anymore because circusy was not possible because of uh, the money Uh, adoption already mentioned didn't work as well. And we all only knew the, the, the bad parts about foster parenting, as you already said earlier too, like the the kids will move out again. They, they'll go back to their parents. And so we thought, no, we, that's, that's something we couldn't live with. And that was like, guest in February 2014 but the thought of having kids with my husband just never stopped mm-hmm. so in in April 2014 I just called the foster, foster um, care and asked for um, an interview just to see if this option just was really was nothing for us or if it was something we just didn't know um, yeah so so I just thought if we don't here, firsthand, we can't really decide that this is not our path. And so, in, in yeah, in, in April 2014, it basically started. And then in September 2015, uh, after a long, long, long road with lots of paperwork and lots of um, talks with psychologists and, and getting naked with our past and... Um, yeah, that was it. Was really frustrating at times, but now I can understand why it's the way it is because it's being parents is is never easy. Yeah. So I do understand now afterwards why they were so precise and so so extreme with all the questions. But yeah, it was a long path, and it took one and a half years till our son eventually moved in.
2: I bet that at the beginning they tell you it's going to take you, it's going to take such and such time. Do they do that? No. no, no, Because I know in America, no, they, 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 from,
1: they, no from the first time uh, where you go to the to the to the to the foster care and are being like schooled, kinda, and then there's the paperwork which you have to do, and the last step is when all parties agree that you are fit as foster parents, and from that day you basically wait, and that's yeah. the day, w- or that's the that's the period when when the foster authorities tell you that. Whenever a kid is suitable, or they find it suitable, they'll tell us, and that that can be a week after you de- everything is okay, or it can take a year. That's yeah. very the range is huge, and there's no time you can you can tell.
2: Yeah, the reason I ask, by the way, is just because I I'm interested to know if like a year and a half is considered an average, or is it longer uh, than the average? Um, you don't
1: know. No, I guess I guess that, that if you would. Look for an average. I guess we are in the average, so it's not that because of us being gay that it took longer. What would have been longer or more? A um, dream was definitely the paperwork.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, it's maybe- always the it's always the paperwork in the end, isn't, isn't it? it? Yes, I know <laughs> bureaucracy. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, and we are going to finish this interview with what we call the lightning round. So, okay. are, I, I hope you're ready. This is a series yeah. of incredibly difficult questions. Not incredibly, right, okay. just short questions. They're incredibly difficult. <laughs> the first one is, do you remember the first solid food that you fed your, uh, it would have been your son?
1: Um. Yes. What was it? Do you want to know what? Oh, yeah. Yes. With our son, it was definitely um, a a, a chocolate muffin. And and with our daughter, it was a banana.
0: If that counts as solid food. Oh, yes. Yes. yes, Absolutely. (laughs) Question number two. What is today the most frequent dinner that your children have? And be honest. We're willing to be honest with you.
1: Noodles, of course.
0: (laughs) Noodles, okay. Anything on those noodles or just straight
2: up?
1: If they can decide, and they usually do, then it's just noodles straight up.
2: Alright, like Adam. Yes, yeah, totally like Adam.
1: Okay, uh, third
2: question.
0: Do you have an interesting family, either your family or your partner's family, a uh, cold or flu remedy for your children?
1: Mm. Um, yeah, actually, um, onions. We, we, we cut onions into halves, and we I, either just put it into the bed, or we put it in a sock and pull the sock onto the feet. the The onions um, are some kind. Don't ask me how it works, but they're medical. and And um, if you put it just into the bed, then they take something. They absorb. something.
2: Don't apologize. I do it too. Uh, you've just. Oh really? Okay. Yes.
1: Maybe just, I have German
0: roots. You You've just legitimized my husband's craziness. Yes. Uh, <laughs> half onions. It's, it's amazing. Disgusting
1: and it smells terribly, but it helps. Okay. It's, it's, the kids um, um, sleep quietly when they have a, when they have a um, stuffed nose and they would snore or they can't, they can't really catch, catch air. Once the onions are in the room, they sleep quietly.
0: Amazing. And my fifth question is, um, please name a gay icon from Germany uh, that the rest of the world needs to know about. Uh, this person doesn't need to be gay themselves, but they need to be a gay icon.
1: Wow that
0: you can uh, name yourself if you want to but
1: uh, <laughs> well then actually I guess I would <laughs> no,
2: I, I uh, can no, give him
1: as I, as I said there's we don't really have a huge visibility um, in the in the politics or actors or um, or musicians. so um,
2: it doesn't yeah, have to be gay. It can be oh, like yeah, I, know, okay. I know I know okay but let me give you three three answers. A, I'm going to give. Know, you- we,
1: don't, we don't have a Barbara Streisand or like or if count yourself lucky. Like that, then it's from America. So you okay. I, I I mean Barbara Streisand is huge in Germany with gay men. So I guess um, it's basically like probably the the same icons as in America.
2: I'm going to give you three options. All of them came from okay. America that I know that I think are okay. gay icons. But you tell me who, who has who is the biggest. Okay, okay, we have Sandra from the 80s. I love that he he doesn't know who that is. No, it can't be. No, I don't. Oh my god! (laughs) Never mind. Okay, second choice is Lena, the girl who won Eurovision for Germany. Ah, okay. Third person is Kim Petras, who is huge in West Hollywood. I don't. She's a trans singer. I
1: know, I know, I know her. Okay, Um, so
2: I guess. I'm
1: sorry
0: but if he doesn't say that these people are icons okay, they're not no, icons. Okay, no, no,
1: okay. <laughs> no, actually not really. No, I mean that <laughs> is Oh no. <laughs> No, I'm not. No, I don't think so. I think that's fine. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I, like to, I like to
0: burst my, my husband's bu- bubble every now and then about things like that. Um, I'm going to just ask you for one last thing before we sign off today, and that is right. um, the term that you used for, I guess it would be called domestic partnership, not marriage. First yeah. of all, how many separate words is that in German, or is it one magnificently long word? No, it's two words. It's two words, and may I ask you to say it clearly and slowly for me, really for nobody else other
1: than me. <laughs> <laughs> Eingetragene Lebenspartnerschaft. Eingetragene
0: Lebenspartnerschaft. Wow!
1: Very good. All right, yes. I'm gonna.
0: I'm gonna say that like a thousand times because uh, I I find German, like very, very, very long German terms to be extremely entertaining. And I thank you for that.
1: I can understand that, yeah. (laughs) Kevin, thank you you so much.
2: much. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Alright, we're back from the interview with Kevin. Thank you so much, Kevin, for taking the time uh, to talk to us. And Alex has something very important to say.
0: Oh, you mean Eingetragene Liebenspartnerschaft? I just say that all the time. Eingetragene Lebenspartnerschaft.
2: And last night when I Try to talk to him, everything that came out of his mouth
0: Ein was, That was the answer well, to every question. So this is this thing we were talking about before about how in German, like, they make these words. So I've been in technology for a long time and we do these, you know, websites and mobile apps and it's fun because when you do them, you do them in English, you do them in French, it's all the same. But then when you go to do the German version, you have to reorient the objects on the screen because there's not enough room for all the damn words. Um, also, I just thought that it was right meaningful. He said this himself, that the word for marriage is, you know, marriage. So it's sort of like saying, you know, you walk up to your friends and you say, oh, are you married? And one says yes. And the other says, well, I'm get rock and in And by that point, everyone's gone home.
2: <laughs> All right.
0: Uh- I'm going to say that that phrase several more times before we close this episode All right.
2: we're going to name this episode I worked hard on this <laughs> let's review and I've done some research I want to look at all the options that gay men in Germany have uh, in order to have babies so so yes Kevin was right about foster care from what I understood there was an actual research of gay men's families and 54% of the families of with two dads in Germany are from foster care Oh, so wow. it's more than a half, and when we look at different country every week, we see that the choices of gay men on on the route it's uh, it's different, you know. In the majority, yeah. I mean, there we have all kinds. And some of it of is that, is that there some are
0: some of it that some of it is that there are different choices. Some of it is seems to be that there are certain uh, kind of. It just ends up that way in that culture, more yeah. this way than that way, right. yeah. yeah.
2: and uh, and I think that there the reason why it's the majority is because, like Kevin said, it's the easiest path to parenthood for gay men. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the most available and it's the most approved. Uh So Because people kind of, that was my, I think, my original mistake about thinking that Germany is so open. Apparently, it's not. Well, when you you say open,
0: it's not that it's not open. It's that it has some of the same surrogacy challenges. It's not
2: only surrogacy. It has challenges to, uh, gay men have challenges in general in regards to parenting. Right,
0: well, you're right.
2: Agreed. Okay. Um, with adoption, so only married couple can adopt. Uh, there is discrimination. Not only gay men testify about it, but it's actually, it's written like in articles and stuff like that okay. about adoption. Most of the adoption in Germany are actually a result of the foster care. Mm. Since it's difficult to adopt in Germany, there's a majority of uh, people who chose adoption to actually do it outside of Germany, ah. so adoption abroad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only problem is when we mention it in other uh, episodes is that it depends on the country where it's... Where they're country, adopting, yeah. Where that country allows same-sex adopt- right. adopting. Right, yeah. Um, co-parenting and known sperm donors. So it's called multiple parenthood there. And there's a legal situation, of course. Uh, We discussed that with the other countries as well because there's only two two parents. Uh, They're still working on it right now. There are some links on the website that you can actually go and see what's happening with that. So since there's there's no really a law about it, some people do agreements with lawyers, which is always recommended to do. However, these agreements are based on trust and honesty. Right. I don't think that they like if you go to if you end up going to court. it Right. Makes they a, don't stand up. And, yeah. Yeah. Understood. Um, with surrogacy, it's illegal in Germany, and uh, there's a lot of stigma around it. And you'll read some articles on DaddySQR.com/slash/Germany about gay men who went through surrogacy and. Even if it's not really said that, the way it's written, it's with a lot of stigma. Even from like big newspaper like this. What about straight Spiegels?
0: They're Spiegel. What I else? didn't look
2: about straight okay. couples. I don't know. Okay. There can be a problem when you come in with the child. If you go through the surrogacy abroad, please consult with a lawyer before you decide to do the whole thing. Tell them what you're trying to do. A lawyer in Germany. I think it's uh, a very. Can
0: I make a suggestion to all of our listeners? What not Is, to listen to me? No! Oh my God, no! That's my mm-hmm. job. No, as 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 much as lawyers can be daunting and expensive and everything else, don't go go down the road of gay gay fathering of any kind without talking to a lawyer. Come
2: on! Yeah, I mean, you don't want to end up in a very bad situation, right? I mean, bad mentally more than physically. Well. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, not being able to keep a child or not being able to stay in your yeah, country; those distru- are mentally yeah. and physically bad.
2: All right, Our organizations. I'm going to name two organizations in Germany that is worth to look at. It's uh, LSVD, it's the Lesbian and Gay Association, and familyship.org and that's an organization that mostly dedicated to uh, to the multi parenthood that we talked about. Uh-huh. They do matchmaking. Um, and so you can actually create a profile for yourself and put yourself out there as looking for, uh, you know, female people, female,
0: female people, huh? female,
2: females, some
0: females are also people. Have um, I recently mentioned ein getragene
2: I think it's a good segue to the MHP corner because, uh, you know, yeah,
0: we- yeah, I actually I actually think it's a good segue to the MHP corner as well. Men having babies has things to say to help prospective parents, and uh, one of the things that they're going to talk about today is how things have changed as a result of the pandemic. Maybe changes that will end up being permanent that can reduce the cost uh, for things like travel, etc. During the surrogate, before, during, and at the end of the surrogacy process, um, and there's a lot to learn there about opportunities for, um, you know, cutting back on what is not an insignificant uh, part of the process.
2: Yeah, let's hear from Lisa, the director of the Gay Parenting Assistant Program of Men Having Babies. All right?
3: This is MHP Courses. The pandemic has created people really focusing their journeys on a more specific geographic region and looking to avoid travel to avoid those unnecessary trips and to try to be more efficient with their time and keep things as close as possible geographically. For a lot of people, it's ended up delaying journeys or putting things on hold or really evaluating when Is it absolutely necessary to be in a place, and when can things be done in a different way, in a way that hasn't been done before? Um, And we see it most commonly when people are um, wanting to ship their samples or not go to the IVF clinic in person. It is logistically a lot more difficult, and a lot of times not necessarily more cost-effective to do that, but it has allowed people the ability to get started on their journey to be able to create those embryos without actually physically having to be at their IVF clinic. People used to think that they needed to be there for the transfer, needed to to meet with their surrogate halfway through to to have these visits to be able to foster that great surrogate relationship, um, which is not always the case. And uh, people can really have a great relationship. They can be present in their journey. They can uh, build those relationships without having to physically be there with people feeling more comfortable with Zoom calls and and uh, telehealth appointments, and doctors lifting those restrictions a bit more to allow surrogates to have a FaceTime call going during an OB appointment or during an ultrasound. And so it's really kind of lifted those barriers where, as before, doctors a lot of times wouldn't allow any sort of recording to be in place during these appointments or allow um, people to be conferenced in. Um, People have kind of changed those expectations in a normal pregnancy, and so it's had that positive effect on a surrogacy pregnancy as well. MenHavingBabies.org dot org.
2: You know, Kevin mentioned in this interview that uh, from what he heard from people that they have to go back and forth to the UK in order to do some tests and right. all of these things. These are changing apparently, and um, and I think it's great that we can save money because it's so expensive Agreed. and you know it's so overwhelming. I also everything think- helps.
0: I also think that it's nice that we've come to a time where, you know, sending semen via FedEx is okay. (laughs) Sorry. Daddy, that's QR.com. I think that it's time for us to remind people uh, that we love to hear from them at hello at daddiesqr.com, on Twitter, on Facebook, on all the things, you know, on all the things. We like the things. We also love to be rated on the Apple podcast app and anywhere else that you do your podcasts because it's really important for us that other people learn about the podcast. We're, we're here to help, as they say.
2: I, I'm not going to send you guys away without talking a little bit about Eurovision because it's Eurovision week and I've prepared myself for two years because last year it was cancelled. Yes. So um it was announced this weekend that Eurovision USA begins on NBC in 2022. Oh so, so but just not so this you know, year. No. <sighs> so they you know it takes time to, okay. to prepare. We talked about it a little bit in the Euro- in the Sweden episode yep. a couple of weeks ago. But I think because of this news, it's time to really kind of briefly discuss those who don't know in America what your vision is. Just to mean a how sentence. brief? How brief can it be? So it's been running for sixty something years, almost seventy years. Um, every year, every country in Europe sent a song uh, to submit in a contest. The popular vote decide which song wins which country and the country that wins gets to host the Eurovision the following year. Is that can brief I, enough? Yeah, and, and can I just interrupt and say this?
0: When I, and We talked about it in couples therapy last night. When I first met Jan, I, I knew about Eurovision. I thought it was ridiculous, and I really wanted to have nothing to do with it, and it, it isn't my kind of music and all that. You know what? Watch it, watch it because it's a spectacle. First of it's all, the music the music is fun, but it's also a circus, and the performances are live, so there's none of this like lip sync or lip syncing or anything else like that going on. And it's a it's a good it's a good use of uh, a Saturday afternoon. So yeah. to the extent that you can bring yourself uh, to wallow in pop music for f- a few hours, you should totally do it.
2: Yeah, and I think that the reason why it becomes a circus is that there are thirty nine countries participating right. in the contest. And everybody wants you to pick them. They want you to vote for them so they become more memorable and outstanding. Oh, and you can Some try to cuckoo. imagine what's that like.
1: It's
0: very possible that on this episode page, Jan will place one or
2: two of my perfect, all time favorite
0: perfect clips for you to appreciate.
2: Yeah. Um, You can ask me anything on social media or at hello.sqr.com about Eurovision. I'll be happy to answer. I'm very passionate about this. And my favorite, uh, I know you didn't ask, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Mm. My favorite Eurovision winner of all times is 1984, Sweden, Diggelow Diggelay. Oh, my God. I don't brothers. Either. I know. I okay. love it. Yeah. Not to mention Donna International, but that's something else. Yes. When um, you say
0: not to mention Donna International, you
2: always mention Donna International, but that's um, fine. And this year, I'm rooting for Greece. I've Good decided. Song. Good song. Yeah. Good song. And yeah. that's my favorite. So, let's see if it wins. I'm going to talk to you next week and let you know, of course.
0: And everybody, whether you're single, you're married or your eingetragene Lebenspartnerschaft. We love you. Thank you for listening to Good us. Good night. You are dot